All right, all right, all right. Praise the Lord. Hey, God is so, so good, and I'm so blessed to be with you all. Good morning again, North Central. You guys doing good? Powerful time of worship. See, I'm trying to figure out, do I put it here? Do I put it here? Okay, cool. I think I got it now. I think I got it. Okay, cool. <clears throat> like Josh just mentioned, um, my wife and I, we got, we got three boys. We're so blessed. Let me show you a picture real quick, the obligatory family picture. So that's our squad right there. There's, there's um, Ethan in front of me. That's Cameron that my wife is holding. My wife's name is Chandra. She's amazing. She's from Naperville, um, Illinois, and, um, and we've been married now coming up on nine years, and um, God's been so good to us. Now, let me just say that picture is kind of incomplete because, in fact, it's very incomplete because we, our family has just grown recently. We have a new baby boy. His name is Hudson. Yeah, and so we had, that's what we had to do. That's what we had to do because I'm like, man, we haven't had a chance yet to even take a family photo. And so Hudson has grown a little bit. I got one more picture for you guys. This is a picture of our three boys right here. And you guys are going to check this out. Do we got it? There's a picture of our three boys. There they go. So that's Ethan. That's Cameron. And that's Hudson. And so, so that's my family, man. We do ministry with Chi Alpha, as Josh just shared with you guys. And so Chi Alpha, and you can take a look here. We got a slide for you. Our, our mission with Chicago Chi Alpha is to build a citywide community of disciple makers with a global impact. We believe that what starts in Chicago will not stay in Chicago. We believe the gospel, the arc of the gospel is always moving heavenward in global. And that's what we see in the book of Acts. It started as this Jewish, small Jewish sect of those who were followers of the way. But as you look at the book of Acts, it's actually showing that it becomes more and more global when it went to the nations. And I know you guys are also part of that movement here. You're getting trained here. You're getting raised up to be disciple makers to wherever God may call you to plant churches, to serve um, overseas or to serve in communities and maybe even on a college campus. Let me tell you a little bit about what we do in Chicago, but I think I can show you better than I can tell you. So I have a short video I want us to take a look at, and, and you can see what the work is that we are doing in Chicago. Fire descending from heaven. 
That's the work that we do. Half a million. Praise God for the mission that he's called us to. Half a million college students in the Chicagoland area. And we believe that our lights shine the brightest in darkness. Can I get an amen? That our faith is made stronger when it's facing resistance. Can I get an amen? And our gospel becomes that much more articulate in a foreign land. And don't get me wrong, the college campus is truly a foreign land. I can tell you more about that, but let me show you a picture of our team because I'm not doing it by myself. My wife, we're not doing it by ourselves, but that's our, that's our dream team right there, spread out across those four campuses. And we actually have a couple of North Central grads on our squad. And so... <clears throat> It's a small sample size, but let me, maybe it's a stretch to say it, but I'm going to say it. There's a tradition of North Central students leaving North Central and coming to Chicago to do Chi Alpha. <laughs> Why don't you pray about continuing that tradition? I have a QR code for you if you want to just even pray about finding, about finding out more information about the work that we do. If you, want, if you can do me a favor and just scan that QR code, and we would love to follow up with you. And especially those who are juniors and seniors, maybe you're still praying about next steps. Um, don't disqualify yourself from coming to the Windy City. And God is doing an amazing, amazing work. Kaiafa is amazing, guys. And that's the reason I'm, with, I'm here before you today. I gave my heart to Jesus as a freshman in college when I went downstate to Southern Illinois University. I didn't know God from a hole in the wall. But the Kaiafa group prayed me into the kingdom got involved and the rest is really history and I'm standing before you today because of a missions outreach like Chi Alpha on the quote-unquote secular college campuses. You guys are here. God is raising up scholars who are full of the fire of God. We need them at Northwestern. We need them at Loyola. We need them at UIC. We need them. We're talking about 50 colleges and universities in the Chicagoland area. So if the Lord would so lead you, why don't you click that QR code and we would love to follow up. Let me share a brief message with you this morning, Luke 15. And we're going to look at a couple of passages here, one you're very familiar with. The first one we find in Luke 15, and it says this, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. We're going to get back to the passage here in a moment. But let me tell you about a time where I found myself overwhelmed. I was a sophomore in high school and I made a horrible decision when I was in the middle of my music class, the final class on a Friday, my sophomore year, in the middle of Mr. Sanford's music class. I talked to my guy, Marcus Whitfield. I said, man, I want a Snickers. He said, I want a Reese's. 
Class is still going on. Most people will wait until class is over before they go and satisfy that craving. We did not. We left, we snuck out of class in the middle of class, dodged the hall monitors, and hallway monitors, and we went to a vending machine, got our snack, and we're marching back victoriously, and then we saw the hall monitor, and they said, hey, get to Miss Leslie's office. We got suspended. And they said, hey, your parents are not home right now. Have them contact us on Monday and to let us know that you guys, that they know that you have been suspended. We said, sure. We came up with a plan to keep the suspension from our parents. We left for school that Monday morning, like we were going to school, went downtown, hanging out. It was freezing cold. I jumped on a payphone to pretend that I was Mrs. Whitfield, Marcus's mom. And I called the school. Now, my voice isn't that low, but it certainly wasn't this low. It was a lot higher when I was in high school as a sophomore. And I thought, I, and I'm like, I'm talking to him, having a full-blown conversation with our vice principal, pretending to be my guy's mother, saying, yeah, he's a good kid. I don't know why he did that. I'm going to make sure he's taken care of. I Me, mean, I played the whole deal, hung up, high five, boom, we're good. Now you got to call and pretend that you're my dad. So we waited about an hour or so. Again, he picked up a payphone. You guys should Google that. And he goes and he says, hey, this is Todd's dad, blah, blah, blah. And then he stops mid-sentence. And his mouth is just wide open like this. And I'm like, what? what? What's going on? He says nothing. He says, okay, click. What happened? He says, she said, Todd, I know this is you and Marcus. Your parents know. Get home. You've been caught. So what do you do? I have a praying grandmother who is the sweetest lady in the world. And I needed some, some consoling because I'm terrified. When I get home, my dad's going to give me the business. So I called grandma. Hey, grandma. Todd, you in trouble? You wrong for what you did? You better get home. I'm like, I don't even have an ally. We go, I go home, walk through the door. My dad's on the couch. He didn't go to work that day. I'm disappointed that he didn't go to work that day. Walk in, he says, where are you coming from? School. He's like, you coming from school? Actually, no, I got suspended. When did you get suspended? I'm like, dad, you already know. Why are you going to really make me say this? I was like, I suspended on Friday. He says, go, get in there right now and do those dishes. So I go in, I'm doing the dishes. I'm looking over my shoulders, doing the dishes, looking over my shoulder, waiting for the hammer to come down. It never comes down. He calls me into the living room and starts to have a conversation with me about integrity and about trust and about being honest. See, I was not expecting that because on that ride home, on the way home to face my dad, I was overwhelmed with fear and anxiety. That was my perspective. But my dad's perspective was my son is out there in the middle of the third largest city in North America. I have no idea where he is. He felt relief when I came through the door. See, I was overwhelmed because I did not understand the Father's heart. Saints, I want to tell you this morning, to the extent that we don't understand the Father's heart, to that extent we will be overwhelmed. And we see that in the story with the son. He was overwhelmed. He didn't understand his Father's heart. Even though he took everything that his Father had given him and went away and squandered it, he didn't know that he needed to come back home to the Father. And he could always come back home to the Father. The title of this brief message is this, Homecoming. 
The father's always calling us to come back home. And maybe here this morning you find yourself overwhelmed. There's a lot of definitions we can look up in terms of what it means to be overwhelmed, but you know when you're overwhelmed. But let me just give it to you like this. It's when your needs begin to outpace your supply. That's when you find yourself, oh, I need more time. I don't have enough time. I'm overwhelmed. I need more intimacy. I need friendship. I don't have friendships. I am overwhelmed. I need more finances. I don't have the finances. I am overwhelmed. And when you're overwhelmed, it compromises your decision making. It affects you socially and emotionally. It affects you mentally, and it certainly affects you spiritually because you find yourself unable to forego instant gratification for long-term success. And then we compromise, and we fall into traps, and we fall into besetting sins. Why? Because we forgot the Father's house. We forgot his address. And I believe that if we could hear a, a brief word this morning, we would find ourselves going from being overwhelmed to overcoming. Let me give you 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. And I'm just going to preach this here for a couple minutes. And let me just say it like this. When I gave my heart to Jesus and I got involved with the Chi Alpha ministry, I thought that all the Christians were perfect. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm the one with all the issues here. And I'm like, man, they were praying in tongues and the small groups they were talking up. They were giving testimonies and they're talking about having a quiet time. I thought they were just talking about being silent for a little while. I didn't know what a quiet time was. They were talking about having devotions. I thought that just meant commitment. I didn't have the language down. I was like, oh, man. And then the Lord spoke to me one day. He says, you think that victory is for the super Christians. He says victory is a birthright. 1 John 5, 4. Check out this passage right here. It says, for everybody say, for everyone. Everyone, guys, that is born of God. Everyone that's a child of the Father overcomes. And how do we overcome? By faith. By faith in the goodness of the Father. And let me just say, the Father wants to heal. The Father wants to forgive. The Father wants to supply. And sometimes if you were like me and my dad in that situation, I didn't want to come to him with my faults. And sometimes we feel like I got to work on it first. Let me get myself together and then I can enter into worship. Mm -mm. It's actually the opposite. And sometimes it's not about not coming to him with your faults. Maybe you don't come to him with your needs and we fall into striving performance orientation. I have been there and I still have to keep myself from going there as a minister of the gospel. The father's calling us home. For the sake of time, let me just give it to you like this. The first thing that the enemy wants to do to overwhelm you is he wants to isolate you. He wants to isolate you. Now, what you're going to see, um, in fact, we, we don't even, like the passage that you're going to see on the screen right there, it comes from another passage of Jeremiah 52. Let me just put it like this. This was the siege of Jerusalem. King Nebuchadnezzar, Zedekiah, the king of Jerusalem, said, I'm going to rebel against the king of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar said, okay, I got you. And this is what he did. He sent his army for two, everybody say two years. Two years, he surrounded the city. Didn't throw a spear, didn't throw a rock, 
didn't send, he didn't send any, any troops in, just surrounded the city, made sure no food came in and made sure no food went out. And they were good. They were able to eat for about six months. They were good. One year, they're like, oh, we're good. We can, we can, hold, we can hold out. 18 months, they got a little nervous. And then it says, after two years, the famine was so bad, they didn't have anything to eat. See, an act of war from the enemy is to isolate you from the resource, to isolate you from the father. The son isolated himself and his resources ran out. Saints, let me just tell you this morning, praise God for chapel service. Praise God for retreats. Praise God for those those God moments. But there is nothing like staying connected to the father and having that daily time in the presence of the Lord. Having constant fellowship. The Bible talks about abiding or remaining. I just want to encourage you this morning. Don't let the enemy isolate you from the presence of God or the people of God. And that's how he'll try to get you. The second thing that the enemy would try to do is, after he, if he can isolate us, he can infiltrate our identity. It says that they broke the wall down after they surrounded for two years. Then they broke down the wall. Now, when I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, snap. That's a strategic move, right? They, now they're going through and breaking down the wall because now that they're weak, that is a strategic move. But even more so, walls, we think of walls as something that just brings separation. But back then, the walls of a city, it meant a whole lot more than just separation or even protection. It was their identity. That's why if you look at Nehemiah, the whole book of Nehemiah is all about rebuilding the wall. It was a big deal. It was they knew where their city started and when their city stopped because of the wall that was built up. And so in breaking down a wall, it truly was the enemy saying, I'm going to infiltrate now your identity because you're not even going to be recognized as a city anymore. Why do we fall into besetting sins, questionable habits? Why do we fall into certain funks socially? Oftentimes we forget who we are in Christ. We forget our gospel identity. And so I want to encourage you. Number one, don't let the enemy isolate you. And then number two, don't let him infiltrate your gospel identity. We don't even look at our past, our experiences, our shortcomings to define who we are. We don't look at our successes to find who we are. We don't need somebody to pat us on the back or we should not to define who we are. We look at the scriptures to see what God says about me as a child of God. We meditate on 1 John 5, 4, that I have overcome the world. The enemy says, but no, you messed up. No, I am an overcomer. No, the enemy said, but look at the thing you did about three weeks ago. This is who I am. And if I know who I am, then I can let that dictate what I do. Sometimes we look at what we do and we try to make that remind us of who we are. No, no, it's who we are in Christ. And then we live it out by faith. Don't let him infiltrate who you are. The third thing is there's isolation, there's infiltration. And then it says after they broke through the wall, finally, it says that the entire army fled. Now, this is a very sad moment right here. And let me just back up. Let me say this. Infiltration, we see that in the story of the son. He forgot the father's address. And it says that he sold himself out. 
I know in pop culture, we talk about sellouts, right? Somebody who's sold out. I know where I come from. That was something we talked a lot about back in the day. Like, well, this, this dude's a sellout. You know, they, they, they forgot where they came from. The son literally forgot where he came from. And so it says he sold himself and began to feed with the pigs. That's a very low state. And I think of times where I've done things that I know do not reflect my identity in Christ. It's like, what was I thinking? No, it's what I was not thinking about. I have forgot who I was in Jesus. And we are selling ourselves short. God is speaking to some of us this morning. Like he spoke to Lazarus when Lazarus was resurrected, came out of the tomb. He told the people around him, says, remove the grave clothes. He's not dead anymore. He's wearing the wrong outfit. Saints, remove the grave clothes. Don't accept what the enemy has put on you. Don't accept lies that others have put on you. Don't accept lies that you have put on yourself. Your identity is in Christ. And it says that they broke through the wall. And then finally, it says that the army fled. That's what the enemy wants you to do. Give up. To say, you know what? This is just my lot in life. I'm always going to struggle with fill in the blank. This is just this has been a pattern the entire time that I've been here at North Central. This entire school year, my entire childhood. Brother Ty, you don't know my background. Well, I say you don't know my background. But we know the father. Amen. The enemy wants you to come to a place where you're incapacitated and the army flees. In other words, you give up. There's no more fight. This morning, as we get ready to head out, I want us to just pray that the Holy Spirit in us will rise up as a warrior and begin to re-engage in that fight. Where you're feeling overwhelmed, God says you will overcome. But we have to step into it by faith. So what brought the son back? What was it that brought the son back? It was a moment. It was a moment. He says, wait a minute. I'm up here eating like this. And my father, even his servants are eating way better than this. He saw where he was in light of who the father is. Let me say that again. When you look at your situation, wherever you might be overwhelmed, just think about that thing. Now think of where you are. Think of what struggles you are having in light of who the father is. That's called a revelation. He had a revelation. And that revelation says, okay, I'm about to go back. And he got his speech together. He said, I'm going to tell the father that, hey, I was wrong. And, and it says that when he went, we know the story. The father was already looking out for him. He shows up. If you read the story, he didn't even finish the speech. He says, quick, go get a robe. Put it on him. Go kill the fattened calf. We're about to have a party. He was lost, and now he has been found. See, it was the revelation first that led to a celebration. And so this morning, I want us to pray for a revelation. The revelation always comes before the celebration. And as you are here, you're studying. You're seeking to grow in scholarship, and we're seeking to grow in fire. Let me also say, all that is tied into growing in our Christ identity. And knowing who the father is. I want to pray with you. And I want you to pray and ask the father for a fresh revelation. I'm going to ask if you are overwhelmed. No matter whether it's a struggle 
or a sin or a thought pattern or emotionally, even if you just had a bad day, I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to pray and ask the father. We're going to pray together and ask the father for a revelation. We want to come home. Come on. I'm looking across this room. I'm looking across this room. There you go. There is no shame. There is no shame. Spirit of the living God, draw your people right now, God. I pray, God, where as I pray, I want you to go vertical. I want you to begin to seek the face of the Father. And we want to pray that God help us to not fall into isolation. Help us, God, to not let the enemy infiltrate our identity, God. God, help us to never give up. And Lord, even if we ever try to give up or we're tempted to give up, remind us, God, that while we were yet without strength, you died for us, God. So even, God, when we're not faithful, you are faithful, Lord. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you remind us that in Christ we are overcomers. That in Christ we have the mind of Christ. God, that in Christ, God, that we are the righteousness of God. That in Christ, God, that we can overcome fear and anxiety, God. That in Christ, God, that we can be unified. In Christ, we can receive forgiveness and give forgiveness. We're coming home to the Father. As we worship, I want you to receive what the Father has promised for you. We love you, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name, let's worship.